Welcome to Paranormal Almanac. With your host, Kurt Sandvig. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Savick, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's get spooky. Hold on one second before we go on to the next thing that you all know what the next thing is, but hold on one second. Here we go. I have, you gotta wait, you gotta wait a couple seconds. It's that time of year, I gotta do it. right spooky noise spooky background noises it's halloween peoples well it's october and as far as i'm concerned once it's october it's halloween people now you have to excuse my voice because um i had a cold this week it knocked me out for a few days really sucked um and i'm fine now i feel better but my voice is just just gone like this cold just knocked me out but maybe it makes me sound more spooky I don't, I don't, I don't know. It, it doesn't really. It just makes me sound like I'm, I got a sore throat, but I don't. All right, so we're going to let this uh, background noise happen for as long as it doesn't annoy me, uh, which probably won't be that long. But uh, can you guys believe it? We're in October. And because it's October, it's time for spooky shout-outs. That's right. Head on over to patreon.com slash paranormal almanac. I'm going to tell you more <clears throat> in just a little bit why you want to be a patron. And some of the cool stuff that's going to be happening for the month of October. But it's shout-outs time. Spooky shout-outs to Lori. Lori Bedard. Lori, hit me up. If you haven't, if you have already, I haven't seen it. I'm, I'm behind. I, again, I have a cold. I, I'll, 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 get, I'll get caught up. I swear, people. Uh, but no, please, Lori, hit me up. I want to hear your idea for an episode. Because I'll throw that in the list. Oh, i got to turn off my phone. forgot to silence my phone. Come on, amateur. Uh, but yeah, hit me up with your idea for an episode. I would love to do an episode for you, Lori. This episode is brought to you by Lori. And we have shout-outs to Alec, Roger Funk, Kimberly, Adam, Karen. See, now, if I was a smarter, uh, a better host, I would be doing, like, uh, uh, Spooky Alec and Creepy Roger Funk and the Crusty Kimberly and the... Uh, uh, I can't think of an... You know, see, I'm not... I'm I'm not a good you know ghost host here. Uh, the 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 cr the creepy crawly Adam, the uh, oozing Karen. See, I can't do it. I, I'm not I'm not good enough. So I'm just gonna do the shoutouts like normal. Karen, Ethan, Duran, Nikki, loves James, Lori, Alicia, Rebecca, Ann, Stephen, Cher, Jane, and Jennifer, Heather G, your friendly neighborhood skinwalker. All right, it's kind of spooky sound. That worked. That one worked. Zuzus, what's it? Nico, share in the mouths. Argentina, Tortuga, Mike from Jersey, Jay Bizzle, Andy, Tracy, Virginia Mailman, Tony the Magician. See, that one I can do, the Tony the Mysterious Magician. Jason, Vicky, Crow, Clay, Buzz, Tom, Lobito Works, Isabel, Jen Jen, Stacy, Amber, Kelly Joe, Menace the Beast. He's got Beast in the title. That's spooky enough as is. Kick-ass magic robot webcomic. 
Sandy Page Couch Bentman 666. Just seemed like that was a good time for that one. Andrew Scott, Andrea. Melody, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Roger, Becca, Jake, Charlotte, and the Beasties. Jen, Elizabeth, Sherry, Art Muffin, Tim, Kenneth, Rick, Ricky, Alexandra, George, Zozo the Demon. Hayden, Cindy, Ashley, Carrie, Robin, Will, Lauren, Russell, Isabel, Audra, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, Paula, Jerry, Jeff T, Joe, Lawrence, Lauren, the Lawrence Strong, hey, howdy, hi, Veronica, Autumn, J, Mark, Manning, Carolyn, Jade, Nanashi, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson, Dan, Laura Pitts, and Gamer Fan, with two special shout-outs, as always, to Joe Teague and to my boy Stitch. Alrighty, let's, uh, oh, I don't know what happens if I mute the microphone to clear my throat, if it, if it pauses, if it, uh, mutes the, uh, sound effects, I'll have to play that back and listen, um, because that's what I do, to try and, like, not be gross for you people, I always mute the microphone to clear my throat, or most of the time, anyway. Alrighty, social media kickoff has begun, people. It's begun. Um, check out YouTube. You go to youtube.com slash paranormal underscore almanac. You're going to be doing, you're going to be finding a blank at the moment. Paranormal Almanac official YouTube page. That's right. I am going to be doing, maybe I should do it right now. Is it? No. Is it too late to record this? I don't know how I would record it. Maybe StreamYard? I'm going to be doing a YouTube channel where I'm going to try and record some episodes. I'm not going to start with this episode. I'll start with the next episode. Uh, I'm going to start recording some episodes while I'm doing them so you can watch episodes on YouTube. Um, I don't know what that's really going to look like. So i got to play around with that. But uh, I'm also going to be doing a lot more stuff. I'll be talking about the YouTube channel in just a minute. So, um, But check it out. Paranormal underscore Almanac on YouTube. That's the official Paranormal Almanac YouTube page. And uh, I can't wait to do a lot more stuff on YouTube. It's going to be very cool. It's my social media kickoff. I told you guys in October I'm going to kick it off, and and I am. Uh, let's see. Merch is on sale right now. If you go over to tpublic.com slash stores, is it? slash paranormal dash almanac. That's what it is. So it's tpublic.com slash stores slash paranormal dash almanac. You're going to find all the merch. And it's not just shirts, it's uh, stickers and, I don't know, tote bags and posters and all kinds of cool stuff. But it's all on sale right now. In fact, that reminds me, I've got to go buy a shirt, uh, another shirt from, um, I every now and then, every like few months, I like to buy one of the styles. So, since it's on sale, I might as well do that. Uh, but let's get right into paranormal news, and then I'll talk more about the social media stuff. Because there's more, there's TikTok, there's uh, Instagram, there's all kinds of stuff. I'm kicking it off. But, uh... Let's do paranormal news. Yeah, a little bit spooky in the background of that one, too. That's right. The spooky first no, spooky first story in paranormal news. That was harder for me to say than it should have been. UFOs in Brazil? The official story. 
Reports on more than 700 unidentified flying objects investigated by the Air Force for more than 60 years are available at the National Archives for researchers and the curious. Uh, including one day in May of 1986, the head of the Brazilian Air Force, Lieutenant General Octavio Julio Moreira Lima, summoned the press to Brasilia, the uh, capital. He, be- he gave them a briefing about the extraordinary events that had happened the, um, the previous Monday, which led him to order the deployment of five fighter jets. He sent them to pursue and intercept 21 UFOs, which have been sighted by hundreds of civilians and military witnesses and detected by radar in four states. Unfortunately, none of the aircraft managed to reach the luminous objects. Oh, I get it. None of the human aircraft managed to reach the luminous objects, which escaped with unthinkable twists and speeds. The minister who appeared with the five military pilots and air traffic controllers who monitored the sightings promised a detailed report about the frenetic hours within a month. It took him much longer, but finally, many years later, it was published. And anyone can read it. That's right. It's been made available by the National Archives of Brazil, either in person at the headquarters, in Brasilia, or online. That is cool. Other countries are kind of coming forward with their own records, and that's really important. It can't be just the United States that will slowly siphon off, you know, the, the, the UFO stories and say, we're giving you everything when we know they're not. No, other stories are not coming, or other countries are not coming forward with their own stories. And it's really going to be essential to find out the full UFO story because as everybody who's followed this knows, these UFOs, they're not just in America. They're around the world. And we know that other governments have them. But we got to hear from them. So hopefully, like I said, other countries will start coming forward, be even more open than the United States government is, and we can finally get the full disclosure that we've all been waiting for that's got to happen in 2023. Come on, people. It's getting to the end. we got two more months in 2023. Give me full disclosure. If not, it's going to be 2024. But still, it's coming. Already up next in Paranormal News, the Spielberg-produced UFO doc has more than 300 witnesses for a mile-long spaceship. Uh, It says, They want to believe, in the new Steven Spielberg-produced Netflix documentary, Encounters, now streaming, there was an eye-popping number of witnesses to one of the UFO incidents. And and if you guys haven't watched Encounters, you guys should start. I just started the first episode. Not just started. I watched the first episode. It was fantastic. I can't wait to watch more of it. But um, it's called Encounters. It's on Netflix. It's Steven Spielberg produced. It's really well done. Uh, I'm loving it so far. But anyhow, the uh, for five months after October 2007, more than 300 locals near Stephenville, uh, Texas, reported seeing a large delta-shaped UFO. Witnesses all reported it to be enormous. Some uh, estimates said it was about a mile long. Uh, others claimed it was the length of 17 football fields. I don't. Is that longer than a mile? That doesn't help. I don't. That doesn't help me at all. All right, so a football field is, what, 100 yards? So it is 1,700 yards. Is 1,700 yards longer than a mile? I it's too, I was told there'd be no math on this podcast. Uh, various witnesses said that it was hovering around the lights. The most wild, widely publicized incident was on January 8th, 2008, when 19 witnesses alleged that they saw the, the UFO as it passed from Dublin, Texas, to Stephenville, pursued by U.S. military fighter pilots. The mass sighting made national news in 2008. Uh, Coverage of it appeared in the ABC News, the Los Angeles Times, CBS News, National Public Radio, basically everywhere. Um, 
the, they said it was a circus, according to Robert Powell, the nano, nanotechnology engineer who investigation, whose investigation helped document the large UFO via Federal Aviation Administration radar data. He appears in the documentary as well. We're interviewing various key witnesses. It was so loud that you couldn't even interview them properly. The key witness interviews occurred outside of that. Um, outside of what? Oh, outside of the circus, I guess? I don't know. That's a really weird sentence. <laughs> Anyhow, point is, Encounters on Netflix. Do you like UFOs? Watch it. It's really good. Like I said, I just started it. I can't wait to watch more of it. All righty, up next in Paranormal News. Did you know that Piedmont is the UFO capital of Missouri? No. Why would you? Unless you're from Piedmont, why would you know that? But, all right, news story from Fox 2 News. Uh, Piedmont, Missouri has been named the state's UFO capital, Missouri. Due to sightings of UFOs in 1973, Republican, no, Representative Chris Dinkins pushed for the designation to boost tourism. This bill was to celebrate the 50th anniversary of a reported unidentified flying object sighting in Piedmont. The bill that was uh, that was the bill that made this designation official was SB 139, which passed by the Missouri General Assembly on July 6th and took a, effect on August 28th. Uh, residents in Piedmont and the surrounding areas reported witnessing unusual aerial phenomena. Many of those who saw the activity reached out to local law enforcement, sheriffs, and local media outlets to share their stories. The incidents got so much attention at both the local and national levels, there was no formal government investigation in this report um, that Dr. Harley Rutledge conducted an independent investigation into these sightings along with his team. He published a paper of his findings, which later evolved into a book called Project Identification, the first scientific field study of the UFO phenomena back in 1981. And now Piedmont is officially the UFO capital of Missouri. So I guess, you know, hey, congrats, Piedmont. You did it. You beat out other towns in Missouri. I can't think of another town in Missouri. Kansas City. You beat out Kansas City. Way to go, Piedmont. Up next, Talking Bigfoot. Oklahoma group investigates the cryptid creature. A report states that uh, McAllister man was alerted to his window in February after his dog began growling and shaking in fear. What he saw was an 8-foot-tall, 800-pound, bipedal humanoid creature cross in front of his window and disappear into a drainage canal. Around the same time of the first report, a woman reported hearing huffing and snorting in some woods in Krebs along the same drainage canal during an early morning bike ride. The woman said that she could tell the difference from a deer blowing an alarm and what she heard that there was an and that there was no livestock in the area. The noise scared her so much she pedaled straight home. The reports are more than two dozen. The reports are more are two of more than a dozen, I get it. Troy Hudson, founder of the Native Oklahoma Bigfoot Research Organization, and his team receives in a year. Hudson said that uh, growing up in a Native American household, he would always hear stories about quote-unquote stuff. But the word Bigfoot was never used, so I never had any of that in my mind. It wasn't until I got into this about what all the stuff that I heard and the things that went on as a kid finally made more sense. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> let's see. He began to run the annual Bigfoot Festival in Hanobia in 2010. And then he started uh, No Bro. But it doesn't tell me what No Bro is. I, I mean, it's got to be something to do with Bigfoot. Uh, he said No Bro investigators receive and filter reports after, uh, 
before conducting interviews as well as doing education and community outreach research about Bigfoot. And never tells me what no bro stands for. Um, something Oklahoma Bigfoot Research Organization. Yeah, there you go. I kind of, I kind of can figure that one out. Um, so yeah, that's cool. Up next in paranormal news, let's keep on keeping on. I got a, a bunch to get to. I want to get to it, and I don't know how long my voice is going to hold out. So let's keep going. The next story is create a cryptid contest. That's right. There is a Create a Cryptid Halloween art contest. The Camus or Camus Public Library is hosting a Create a Cryptid contest for all ages to create a new cryptid worthy of keeping company with the Loch Ness Monster, not a monster, the Yeti, the Kraken, and the Chupacabra. The deadline to submit artwork for your own original cryptid is 5 p.m. October 16th. Use whatever medium you'd like to create your cryptid. Paint, digital, sculpture, uh, paper mache, um, I... Gluing things together. I don't know. They, other stuff. Use your imagination. Submit your artwork to the Camus Public Library along with the form available at the library or at Camus. That's C-A-M-A-S. CamusPublicLibrary.E-V-A-N-C-E-D.info. Once again, CamusPublicLibrary.Evansed.info. One entry is allowed per person. Voting will take place October 17th to the 25th. The three cryptids with the most votes will be announced as the winner on October 26th. Each winner will receive a prize. There you go, people. Get out there. Make a cryptid. Make a paramaniac. Um, do something cool. Make sure, like, you put on there something about Paranormal Almanac, and let's, let's all win a prize. That'd be cool. I just thought that one was fun. Up next in Paranormal News, he's back, people. Owen is back. That's right. Owen O'Fagan. He is back. This guy just doesn't stop. He is the best. I said it to his face, and I'll say it again right now. Loch Ness Monster, not a monster, enthusiast Owen O'Fagan saw a humped black shape poking out of the water and believes it may be a young Nessie emerging from the depths. Veteran Loch Ness, well, I'm not going to keep saying that, Nessie Hunter claims he is footage of the beast or possibly her child. Again, why beast now? Come on, people. I'm trying not to say the word monster, and then you throw beast in the middle of it. Or possibly her child poking her head above the water, and it's called his, and it's called it his strangest ever sighting. Oh, wow. And I'm watching the video now. There's no sound. Um, what the, what the heck is that? I mean, you, you don't need me to explain it. It's, it's from it's from Owen's favorite little spot on the net, uh, on the lock. It's another webcam sighting, and it does seem like something's poking its head out of the water. Holy crap, Owen! This is freaking awesome. Uh, the clip captured by Owen Owen O'Fagan showed a humped black shape breaching the surface of the famous water before moving steadily north against the current. He's been eagerly watching a webcam pointed at the lock for many years, but claims he had never seen anything like this shape appear before. He be even believes it could be a young Nessie. Freaking awesome. I love Owen. You know, you can't have paranormal news without him, so why do I even try? There you go. That's freaking amazing. Alrighty. Up next in paranormal news, the final one in paranormal news. I've been wanting to watch this. It says, bus driver in Singapore spots ghost passenger on the vehicle's security monitor. Alright. Let's see. Let's watch it. Uh, uh, that's a great start to the video. 
tadi pagi dah buat seram ah. Loving this so far. Kau tengok ni eh. Oh, here we go. So he's looking in the security camera above his Okay, kat atas ni dua kan. His steering wheel of the windshield. You up tu lah. Pagi pagi dah buat seram ah. Saying things that I don't know what he's saying. Ni ada orang kat atas kan. Was I supposed to have seen it right then? Now he's walking upstairs in the bus. Sial kan, tak ada orang kan. He's looking around. Betul tau darah aku lah. Laki betul lah. Aku puas jeritkan dia suatu pun tadi kat dekat tempat tu. So, walking all the way to the back, checking every row, making Nak sure there's nobody in there. Nak bawa ke sini. Did I, was I supposed to have seen eh, it? Eh, okay, maaf betul lah. Are you, what? What am I supposed to have seen? Okay, kat atas ni ada orang kan. I'm, I'm backing it up for a second. Kau tengok ni eh. What am I supposed to have seen? Oh, there is a dude sitting there. Interesting. There is a guy sitting like one, two, three, four rows back. All right. Um, I don't know if I trust this one, to be honest with you. I think that he, I mean, look, this is just me guessing. I don't know what to think. I'll put it up on the Facebook fan page. I'll let you guys take a look at it and see what you think. But I personally think that um, it's too well done. The guy was very clearly sitting there. It just seems to me like this is a, a great way to, you know, get some YouTube hits, which I'm not going to do uh, on my YouTube channel. Either I get the hits or I don't, I guess. I don't know. I haven't started it yet. I mean, I've started it, but I haven't put a video up yet. Uh, let's see. Oh, speaking of YouTube, if you want even more of me from this week, I was a guest on Truth Be Told. If you go to YouTube and you type in Truth Be Told, it's a great, great channel. Um, and I was a guest on it this week. It was a really fun chat. Uh, check that out. It really was fun. Um, I, I had such a good time. I can't thank them enough. But, uh, yeah, you know, check it out if you want even more of me. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Spooky Noises. We are back. All right. On this edition, you know, I had to do it. It's October 1st. We made it into October. And, well, October for me is just spooky season. And I couldn't do, I couldn't kick off October paranormal almanac episodes with, like, UFOs. I mean, there's a shit ton of episodes I can do about UFOs. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm trying to, like, space them out because I don't want people to get sick of, because I've got fans that are just fans of ghost stories. Fans that are just fans of Cursed Objects. Fans that are just fans of Mandela Effect. Fans that are just fans of UFOs. And if I lean too heavily into one of those for more than a couple episodes, people start going, okay, okay, enough with that. Can you get off it? Can you get off the ghosts and get back to the you know UFOs or vice versa? Uh, but October, historically, if you're a paramaniac, you know I like to do the spooky stuff in October. So I figured let's get spooky with it. And let's do a Cursed Doll episode. And for you patrons, the bonus length version of this episode will not be just Cursed Dolls. It will be Cursed Dolls and Cursed Objects. So if you want to hear just about Cursed Dolls, well, you know, just keep listening. You you already pressed play. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm talking about right here. But if you want the bonus content, then you'll have to sign up for Patreon at patreon.com slash paranormal almanac for as little as a dollar a month. You can hear bonus length episodes and get even more content like 
here we go. Here's some of the stuff I want to announce. I'm going to be doing the Black Dahlia site tour. I'm going to film it. I'm going to go to all of the sites, including a site that is, in my opinion, the best, most likely site of where she was actually killed before her body was dumped and, and you know, bifurcated body was dumped. Um, I'm going to release it for the patrons first. Then... I'm going to put it on the brand new Paranormal Almanac YouTube page. And I'm really excited. This was an episode that I wanted to do pre-pandemic uh, because of a book. Hold on. Let me see if I can get the book. Is it behind me? Yeah. There is a book called Black Dahlia Red Rose that my friend gave me. And, and it's a fantastic book. It's by uh, Pew Eatwell. Um, I can't, it can't be right. P-I-U is pew, pew? I don't know. Uh, Anyhow, the author is fantastic. And I was going to have the author on Paranormal Almanac. And she said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And then the pandemic happened and a million things happened. And I just never got back to her. So I want to have her on the show. Hopefully she'll still agree to do it. It's been, you know, a, a number of years since I've asked her. But anyhow, this book is the best full story of what happened to Elizabeth Short. It is, in my mind, the best, most likely scenario of where she was murdered, what happened, possibly who did it. Um, it's fantastic. And I'm going to use this book and all a bunch of stuff on, you know, about the Black Dahlia that's already been out there online as a basis for this video that I want to film. And I'm very excited to do it. Um, look, I've never done this before. Hopefully this video will be interesting, worth watching, look okay, look decent enough. But um, yeah, I'm going to be going to all of the Black Dahlia sites. Places where she lived, places where she was seen at, places where she danced, where she got drinks, where she was probably murdered, and where her body ended up. The only site I'm not going to is she spent a little bit of time in San Diego. Um, it's a negligible amount of her time. And uh, frankly, I'm not driving all the way down to San Diego to a place that is no longer there. I checked it out. I was like, all right, maybe if the place is still there, I'll drive down there. It's a three-hour drive, but if the place is still there, I'll go down there just to add that site. Nope, it's gone. It's like a like a Lowe's now or something, so a hardware store or something. But um, except for that site, I'm going to go through and try to hit up every site. It'll be released to the patrons first. Then... It'll be put on the Paranormal Almanac YouTube page, and I'm very excited to film it, hopefully next weekend. Um, I'm also going to be doing paranormal investigations at famous death sites in and around Hollywood. That's right. My goal is I want to show you how to do free paranormal investigations. And once you see one of these videos, you'll kind of get what I'm talking about. Then I'm going to be doing a full-day paranormal hotspots in Los Angeles video for the patrons first and then YouTube. I'm going to be getting up in the morning and just start hitting the places. One's closest to my house, all the way out to a couple hours away. And uh, it's going to be a long day, but it's going to be interesting. And I'm really excited about doing that one. I've already started the very extensive list of the places I want to go. Then I will also be doing portable paranormal investigations. Um, I'm excited about that. And I also have a couple of sites... Um, like, I really want to do, I told the patrons before, and they, they seem to be interested in it, um, like going through all of the famous cemeteries in the area and all the famous graves that are there. Um, I've That's something that, you know, I love old Hollywood, so it's something I've wanted to do anyway. 
Anyhow, it's going to be a fun month is what I'm going to say. It's going to be a busy, fun month. And I can't wait for you all to see these videos on YouTube. So again, youtube.com, uh, look up paranormal underscore almanac. Subscribe now because the videos are going to be coming out shortly. Hopefully this next weekend. Okay. Uh, with all those announcements out of the way, let's get to it. Let's get to the spooky. Let's talk haunted or cursed dolls. You know, is one better than the other? I mean, not really. They both are, you know, like, they're just bad. In fact, dolls in general are just creepy bad. Um, so, I don't know if these... I don't know if these are technically haunted dolls or technically cursed dolls. But I personally think they lean more towards the haunted side of things. And uh, I will say that... Um, I'm someone that that thinks, like, if I woke up and there was, like, a haunted or cursed doll, like, standing over me with a knife or something, I think I could take it down. You know, at the very least, I think I could run away because it's got, like, little doll legs. There's no way it could run as fast as me. Um, now, do I want to test this theory? No. No, I do not. But I've never understood these, like, you know, these horror movies where a doll pops up and everybody's like, oh, my God, and the doll tackles the person. I get that it's like a haunted doll, so maybe it's got, like, supernatural strength. But it just seems to me, like, you, you should be able to punt that thing at least 10 feet. Like, just kick it in the face and then run away. I've never understood why people get overcome by dolls in movies. It seems like, I think I could take one. I really do. Uh, anyhow, uh, the first doll, um, this is one that I thought I had talked about before, but I couldn't find it in any of my episode lists, so I figured let's talk about it now. Its name is Okiku. Now, Okiku, she was bought in Sapporo by a 17-year-old Aikichi Suzuki. This was in 1918 for his two-year-old sister, Okiku. Now, the fact that you know the doll is also named Okiku and it has the same name as his sister means you should know something bad is about to happen in this story. But let's keep going. Uh, he was touring the region for a maritime exhibition and he said the doll instantly drew his eyes. So, yep, he went in. He purchased the doll for his sister. Um, you know, before I get to the bad, the bad part of this story, let's go over um, what Okiku looks like, all right? She is 40 centimeters tall, dressed in a traditional kimono. She has a porcelain face, raven black hair that is cut to shoulder length length. So that's important. Her hair is shoulder length, black hair, very straight, very combed, clean, whatever you want to call it. It's a traditional Okapa hairstyle. Okay. Um, let's let's keep going with the there's no way the sister's about to die part of the story. So he gets home. He gives the doll to his sister as a present. She loves it. He said that uh, she took it everywhere and talked to it like an imaginary friend. She's the one who actually named it Okiku. Which is weird, but okay. And she's having a great time with the doll. Until one year later in 1919, Okiku died. Uh, the sister Okiku, not the doll Okiku. So the sister Okiku dies from yellow fever. Now the family wanted to bury the doll along with Okiku, but... I don't really know why it didn't happen. It's it's really, it's not clear. A bunch of websites talk about it. It's some governmental thing. They stopped it. So instead of burying Okiku with Okiku, they put the doll in the family's altar. And that's when the haunted part of the doll started happening. 
Uh, one day, the family noticed that the doll's hair was getting longer. Remember? I said it was shoulder-length haircut? Yeah, well, now it was past her waist. That's way longer. That's not like, does that look a little bit longer to you? No, that's way freaking longer. And they said it was also unkempt with split ends and even appeared to have different colors in it now. So um, the brother, Aikichi, he said that he and his family had dreams about Okiko and the doll was always in the dreams, about the sister, and the doll was always in the dreams. They said that the um, the house appeared to be haunted. It had all the typical haunting stuff, shadow things moving, banging, voices, lights going on and off, and they said it got worse two days a year. The sister's birthday and the day that she died. They would go to the altar, and they would even cut the doll's hair and clean it and comb it, and they said that seemed to keep things calm, so they realized, okay, we have to maintain the doll for the sister. And he said uh, this happened for years until it was just kind of part of the house that, you know, weird shit would happen. They'd go, they'd cut the doll's hair, comb it all, talk to the doll for a little bit, go back home, everything would be calmed down again. Until... 1938, the family moved, and they asked a local temple to take care of the doll in their stead. They said, we can't just abandon this thing. This doll seems to be either attached or maybe is the sister. So the uh, the temple um, went through, and they said, yeah, okay, well, we'll, we'll do it for you. And they said that, uh, and I say supposedly, I should say supposedly said, the temple supposedly said, um, the reason I say supposedly, it's all in the same info. No matter where you look online, it's the exact, exact same wording and same. This sentence seems to be the same, so it seems to be regurgitated a lot. So grain of salt on this one. But the temple supposedly said the doll's hair kept growing, and they kept cutting it to appease the girl. They said that they have sent out cut samples of the hair for scientific analysis, which showed that the hair was that of a human. That's not too surprising, though, especially in the early 1900s. Most doll hair was human hair. Uh, the temple also says that whoever takes care of the doll has dreams of Okiku and the doll. And again, big grain of salt, but they said that the doll's mouth appears to be slowly opening and you can see teeth in the mouth now. But I can't find anything, anything that corroborates this. But if you want to see for yourself and let me know, you can because Okiku is located in her private shrine on display in a little wooden box in the Meninji Temple in the town of Iwamizawa, Hokkaido, Japan. And there is no way I got the town's name wrong, so let's keep on moving on. But now, nah, yeah, go check it out. If you're in the area, please go take a look and let me know. Is the doll's mouth slowly opening? It's a porcelain head. Like, is it just like a crack that seems like to be along the same line as the mouth? Or is the mouth opening? And if it is... Are there teeth in there now? Because if there is, that's the most impressive haunted doll on this list. I'm not going to lie to you. If that's what's happening, just, you know, check one for Okiku. All righty, let's keep moving on, though. Um, this next one is Charlie the Haunted Doll. Now, let's, uh, let me just say this one is a huge grain of salt story. The entire story I'm talking about. Not just the little mouth part that, that I was saying a minute ago. no. The entire story is a huge grain of salt story. There is nothing about Charlie the Doll until an Atlas Obscura entry in 2013. And the person that created the post only posted about Charlie 
and where to see him in this shop that was open in the early 2000s. And then um, that same person only did one other post, and it was about that shop in the same area from the same time. So I want to say this person just made up the Charlie story to get people into their weird taxidermy oddities shop, but I can't prove it. So let me just say that despite what a ton of sites say, you know, like there's a ton of sites that say like Charlie's been talked about since the 60s. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. Charlie's been talked about since 2013. His quote unquote origin stories from the 60s, but it was told in 2013 and then regurgitated a bunch of times. But uh, but here's the story anyway. You guys can come up to with whatever conclusion you want, but that was a huge red flag for me. But I still wanted to include Charlie the Haunted Doll. The origin story says that in 1968, the Charlie Doll, spelled C-H-A-R-L-E-Y, not like normal Charlie spelling, was discovered in the attic of an old Victorian home in upstate New York. He was found in the bottom of a tattered trunk full of newspapers, and the only other item with him was a yellowed piece of paper containing the Lord's Prayer. Now, normally I'd be like, that's just too convenient. Except for the fact that I got sent a mysterious package, a wooden crate with a bunch of sand and the hand of fate in it, and the Westminster Abbey thing from the 1930s, and the coin, and you know the photo and everything. I it doesn't appear to be fake. The hand is real. I've had people look at it. They say it's you know it's not a mass-produced item. So can I say that they didn't find Charlie in a tattered trunk full of newspapers, only with a yellowed piece of paper containing the Lord's Prayer? No. So I'll keep going. Hi, Ron. Love you. All right, sorry, had a little bit of a, had a rum break there. Um, so the old newspaper um, that was used to pack the trunk had dates on it going back to the early 1930s, but the actual age of the doll could not be determined. Kurt here. Again, I can't find any photos of this, so um, the family take him out. They put him with the rest of the doll collection, and of course they name him Charlie. Uh, the story goes that at first the family, the husband, the wife, and their five daughters, said that everything was normal, and Charlie just sat there like, you know, normal dolls should. Uh, then they started finding Charlie in weird different places. Hold on. Come on up. Come here. How are you? It's the spooky episode, Rum. It's, it's Halloween. <laughs> I thank you. I love you too, sweetheart. All right, let me continue the episode. Good girl. All righty. Um... Yeah, so the, again, husband, wife, five daughters said everything was normal, and Charlie just sat there like normal dolls. Uh, then they started finding Charlie in weird places, um, which I don't know if you know that, but if you start finding a doll in weird places that you didn't leave it, that's bad. Uh, so the parents blame the kids. The kids blame Charlie. Charlie blames Satan, I'm guessing. Then the youngest four-year-old daughter told her parents that Charlie had spoken to her when she got up to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. That's creepy. Also, Kurt here, do four-year-olds get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night? I don't know. I'm not, I don't have a kid. Is That seems young, though, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's normal. Uh, so the parents kicked that creepy kid out of the house and made her take Charlie with her. No, no. Uh, they just laughed it off as a child's imagination. What the actual fuck? No. 
If you take anything away from this episode, take this away. If your kid says something creepy like that, you believe them, then you burn whatever doll says she did that. That's what you take away from this episode. If your kid comes up to you and says, Oh, last night when I went to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, uh, Charlie started talking to me. That doll right there, yeah, he started talking to me. Remember that doll that you found up in the attic? That thing started talking. Burn that doll. Alrighty, so Charlie keeps moving around, but the parents never see him or hear him. Um, but the kids, all the kids, are all rightfully freaked out and scared of Charlie. So all five of them refuse to get up during the night to use the bathroom. Don't blame him at all. None of them would go within five feet of the bench that Charlie sat on. Yep, don't blame him at all. Then the youngest one does more creepy stuff when she wakes up covered in scratches and says it wasn't the cat, but Charlie that did it. So the parents say, you know what? Screw this. Finally come to reason and lock Charlie back up in the trunk where they found him. All right. I guess that's okay. But now you've got a possibly evil doll that's scratching and talking to your kids locked up in your attic. Get him the hell out of the house. Send him to the local paranormal almanac host. You know, mail it to him. Let it let it be his problem. Please don't. Please don't do that. Um. Anyhow, time goes on. The kids grow up. The parents put the house up for sale. So they put the trunk and its contents, including Charlie, in a garage sale. Kurt here. Dick move. Don't pass on haunted dolls like that. I go to garage sales. I don't want to accidentally end up with some creepy haunted thing that you locked away for years, pissing it off. No. Um, but they did. And a woman bought Charlie to add to her antique doll collection. But apparently, the parents are like, all right, we got to warn this woman. So they tell her, like, hey, here's this crazy fun story about Charlie. I'm guessing it was as she was driving away and, like, very quickly. And, like, oh, and the doll's evil. Don't let it kill your kids. Okay, goodbye. Thank you. Um, but anyhow, so Charlie changed hands a few more times, legend says. Charlie's last known place was the shop that the person that posted the story ran. It was called the Local Artisan, but it's now closed. So the point is that Charlie could be anywhere. Look in your back seat. If you're driving right now, look in your back seat. And if you're not driving right now, just look behind you. If you see Charlie, that's your problem. Um, yeah. There's a lot of lessons to be learned in this one, okay? You can't do that with dolls. You, you, you just can't. If you've got a doll that is talking to your kids in a, in a bad way, moving around when you shouldn't be moving around, and then scratching your kids... You don't just put him back in a trunk and be like, oh, that's that's future Kurt's problem. I'll, I'll let him deal with that. No, you deal with it now. You, you burn the fucker. Or you sell it for a shit ton of money to Zach Baggins and let him deal with it. Uh, alrighty. So this next one has the same problem as Charlie. And that being, besides being a haunted doll, uh, the known source of this story originated on a now-defunct website called hauntedamericatours.com. And it seemed to be a site that created stories to scare people. So again, huge grain of salt. Every photo of this next doll all came from that same source. And even though it's been retold a billion times on a bunch of different websites, it all came from this source, okay? So again, that's usually a red flag for me, but... I can't 
count it out. I mean, there's there's got to be a source for every one of these stories. So, you know, it's not it's not a it's not an instant discount as far as I'm concerned. Like if I see that, I don't go, well, no, I'm not talking about that story. Because again, there's got to be a source for every one of these stories, and if it's just the one source, maybe it's the one time the person decided they wanted to talk about it online. So I'll give them that with that grain of salt. Uh, let's see. Pupa the doll is a soft felt doll, approximately 14 inches tall, with soft brown, possibly human hair. She has on a blue sleeveless felt dress with white trim and a white button on the dress's collar that was sewn on by her owner in the early to mid-1940s. Uh, she was reportedly uh, custom-made to resemble the child to which she originally was owned and, or given to and uh, or made for. And pupa, which I thought meant like, you know, like a butterfly in a cocoon thing. Pupa also means doll in Latin. So if you're listening to this show in Latin right now, um, this next one is the pupa pupa. Uh, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I never knew that pupa meant doll. Um, people way more into dolls than me have said that pupa appears to be a lensi type doll. They were originally created and designed by Alina Koenig Scavini and produced between the years of 1918 all the way up to 2001. Lency dolls are notable for their heat-pressed wool faces and painted facial features. They also said, or Pupa could be a doll made by a doll maker in Trist, whereas Lency dolls were manufactured in Torino, so who cares about any of that? Because here's the important part. Pupa moves on her own, and her, uh, I'm talking like her head, moves around on its own, her facial expressions change when no one is looking. So who cares who made her? Just tell me how to kill her is what I'm saying. Okay, origin story time. Story goes that uh, the girl that owned Pupa got her in the late 1920s and had her until her owner's death in 2005. She told someone, possibly her grandchildren, it's not very clear, that when she was a child... Pupa was her friend and was actually alive. She said Pupa had thoughts and feelings of its own. She called her her best friend and most beloved confidant, and that Pupa actually spoke to her. So this woman actually found some guy willing to marry her and live with her and this alive doll, and then they had kids and those kids had kids? Seriously? If you're dating a woman... And she says, oh, you want to meet my best friend? And then she pulls out this doll from the 1920s that moves on its own. I don't care how hot this woman is. Leave her immediately. Or don't, but then you got to deal with Pupa. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so anyhow, the owner dies in 2005, and the family put Pupa in a display case to keep her around for future generations. And yeah, Pupa didn't like being locked up. They say that pupa changes her positions a lot, including crossing her legs or placing her hand against the glass of the case. That's creepy. Uh, the family also heard pupa tapping on the glass. And an investigator named Terry Lynn Vignier, sure, uh, says that she caught pupa moving in the case on camera. She says that pupa's heads, pupa's head, seems to move at times as well as change directions with their arms and legs doing the same. The investigator admits that the changes happen very, very slowly. But while playing the tape back at high speed to check to see if pupa moves, it is very noticeable as well. The effects can be measured, and um, according to the investigator's report, the subject's 
facial expressions also have been observed to change with her painted eyes seeming to open wider or even following you around the room. Nope. Nope, nope. Do not like pupa. Um, yeah, why would you, I get that, you know, it's your, it's your grandma's doll, but no, I don't care. I love my grandma. I love both my grandmas. But if they gave me a haunted doll and they said, like, please keep an eye on it. No, sorry. That's where I draw the line at haunted dolls. Oh, one of my grandmas collected clowns. So when she passed away, there were just dozens of clowns that, you know, we all, each grandchild got, we, we got to get a clown. So I have one of the clowns. It's a little glass. I picked the, the least creepiest looking clown, the clown that I could. You know, I looked through all of the clowns in the display cabinet, and I was like, I'm going to take that one because it's small enough. It's glass. So if it tries to jump down for where I put it, it's probably going to break anyway. But uh, it's not the most evil-looking clown. There were some scary ones. I'll, I'll, I'm not sorry, Grandma, but that's just true. Clowns are scary. Alrighty. Up next is not a haunted doll, but in my opinion, a doll that should be haunted as fuck. It is Patty Reed's doll. First, you might be asking, "All right, who's who's Patty Reed? What? I don't care. Well, I don't know her." Well, Patty Reed is the most unlucky little girl in America. Here's her bio. Little Patty Reed was eight years old when her parents, James Fraser Reed and Margaret Wilson Keys, left Springfield, Illinois, as members of the Donner Party. Now, if you don't know who the Donner Party is, you may not want to eat dinner for this next little bit if you're eating while listening to this episode. Uh, the Donner Party, sometimes called the Donner Reed Party, were a group of American pioneers who migrated to California in a wagon train from the Midwest in 1846. They were delayed by, quote, multitude of mishaps. They spent the winter of 86 and 87 snowbound in the Sierra Nevada mountain range. Her father was banished from the train on October 5th, 1846, and her mother left her behind at the Donner Lake with her brother Tommy in February 21st of 1847 when she, Virginia, and Jimmy departed with the first relief. After their food was gone, they ate rawhide, leather scraps, bones, mice, whatever they could find. But by the time the second relief happened, led by her father, they started eating the dead. Yep, that's right. They resorted to cannibalism to survive, eating the bodies of those that have succumbed to starvation, sickness, or extreme cold. Or, even worse in my opinion, two Native American guides were deliberately killed so they could eat them. Jesus, man. Um, she was one of the 48 survivors of the Donner Party, and she preserved a lot of the family documents and the artifacts which she, which she donated to Sutter's Fort in 1946, but with her the entire time was a doll that surprisingly wasn't eaten and somehow did not become sentient and tell Patty to eat more people. Uh, no, the only doll I think on this list that should be tapping on display you know, cases and stuff um, isn't. She's not... Leaping out, eating late-night security guards, or, you know, not yet anyway. But, uh, no. Patty Reed's doll was with her the entire time they were eating the dead or killing Native Americans to eat them as well. Being cannibals is what I'm saying. And, um, yeah. Uh, 
I guess Patty's doll gets an honorable mention, and thankfully, Toy Story has no plans to include her in any of the sequels. Uh, so if you want to see her doll, she's on display from time to time only at the Sutter Fort Museum in Sacramento, California. And uh, again, how is this doll not haunted? Seriously, that's the one that should be. But up next is is a haunted doll named Mandy the Haunted Doll. You know, look, look, she's got Haunted Doll right in her name, so you know she's got to be haunted. Mandy was created between 1900 and 1920 and given to the museum she's currently at, the Quesnel and District Museum in Canada, by an anonymous donor. That's right. Uh, the donor left her at the doorstep with a note that basically told the museum she had a quote-unquote chilling experience with a doll and wished to get rid of it without destroying it because of the doll's historic value. One night, the anonymous owner said that they were awoken by extremely loud cries that sounded like the cries of a baby and that these cries were echoing and radiating from the basement. So, you know, they go down there and, yep, it seems to be coming from where Mandy was left, but... Mandy was gone and the basement window was open. So they close the window, I assume, like scour the basement for Mandy, close the window, run back upstairs. That's got to be the quickest anybody's ever run up basement stairs. And you know, everybody knows you run up basement stairs. Uh, but the next morning, they check the basement again. Why? I don't know. I would, I would have locked it up forever. But yep. Mandy was lying at the foot of the stairs. Yeah, I agree. It's time to dump Mandy off on someone else. And so this person does that. Uh, so Mandy gets donated and almost immediately the staff started report reporting that their lunches were going, going missing only to be showing up later neatly tucked in random drawers. Like hours later, they'd find them just in random drawers. Then... Books and stationery started going missing on a routine basis. And eventually, they started putting it together. It was whatever room that Mandy was left in that these things would go missing. So they move her to a more private display. They said, one away from other dolls of her kind because it's rumored she would topple them over in the middle of the night where she would be the only doll left standing and all the other dolls that she was displayed with were knocked over. So word gets out about Mandy the Haunted Doll on display in the museum. She was even featured in a 1999 issue of Supernatural Stories around British Columbia. So more and more people start to go see Mandy, and they said as they were trying to get photos of Mandy, they would have some issues with their camera because the batteries would either die instantly or the flash on their camera would inexplicably turn on and off while trying to take photos. Uh, psychic investigators also came to investigate Mandy, and they said, The doll is most likely possessed by the spirit of a young little girl who only wants attention from people around her. Really? Really, psychics? That's your bold assessment of Mandy? Look, I could have told you that. Um, that's every doll. The doll seems to be possessed by the spirit of a young little kid. Yeah, no crap. That's every doll except for the Patty doll on here. Um, yeah, I don't know. All right, finally, one last quick one. And it is, it's a real quick one. It's, it's, I couldn't find much more information about it. It all seems to be kind of regurgitated the same. But it is Lily the doll. She was made during the 1800s in Germany. She features real human hair as well. 
According to the museum's Facebook post, she was discovered by an antiques dealer who took her home, but, quote, began having recurring nightmares about a little girl who had a very bad accident. She was subsequently put up for sale at the antique shop. On one occasion, a customer's little girl spoke to the doll for three hours, talking to Lily like she was real. The little girl informed the the store owner that Lily was a little girl that had been subjected to extreme violence. Now, if you want to see Lily, you have to go over to Zach Baggins Haunted Museum in Las Vegas because she's on display there. Alrighty, that about does it for haunted dolls, but hold on a second. Patrons, let's kick you off into your part of the episode. Uh, regular listeners, you're going to immediately, you know, come to the end of the episode with me in just a minute, but I like to do everything in order, so we'll be back in just a second. Alrighty, we are back. The patrons got their extended cursed object part of the episode. So with that, um, is this still going? Oh, it is. Still going. All right. So with that, let's turn that um, haunted, spooky music in the background down. And um, what do you guys think? What do you guys think of cursed dolls? Yes, forget the cursed object part for the patrons. What do you guys think of cursed dolls? Dolls are bad enough as is. Why you got to make them cursed? I, I don't want a doll in my house anyway. I don't need it cursed or non-cursed. Um, but yeah, they're just spooky as shit anyway. Uh, some of them, yeah, I don't want to be left alone in a room with. Other ones, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they might be actually cursed. I think they're just creepy looking and people just wanted to get their money's worth. So I can't blame them. Um, what's the creepiest doll on this list? You tell me. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Samick, and this has been another Halloween edition of Paranormal Almanac. See if the law.